listening to the Sports Bros Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything BYU sports. Now here are your hosts, Andy Karchner, a.k.a. Big Bro, and Aaron Karchner, a.k.a. Little Bro. All right, it's time for your Sports Bros Podcast. My name's Andy Karchner, coming from the Pacific Northwest, a.k.a. the state of Washington, joined by Aaron Karchner, a.k.a. Little Bro, at least for the next couple of months, coming at you from... The sweet south of Texas. A couple months is turning into a few months because the Utah housing market, and in particular the building market there, is super slow. So we're gonna we're settled in in Texas for a while. We're probably not gonna be there till spring. So I'll be local. Yeah, which is pretty freaking cool. It's kind of weird. Uh, everyone, make sure you follow us out on Twitter at Sports Bros. Um, so Aaron is moving to to Provo. Uh, well, to Eagle Mountain, right? Utah County, we'll call it. It's funny because kind of one of our shticks, the, the like eight years or so that we've been doing this podcast, kind of our thing has always been we're not Utahns, right? Like we're kind of like representative of the nationwide and international, if you will, BYU fan base. But now, you know, we don't got that anymore because you're going to be right there in Happy Valley. I'm not in Happy Valley. Hey, we're not Penn State. <laughs> um, I we we've always had this kind of being against being in Utah thing, but I'm, we won't get into the family dynamics, but we're, we're excited to be there. I'm stoked to go I'm to jealous. LES. I mean, I last game I went to at LES was the UCLA game in 2015, the Taysom boo game, as we like to call it sometimes. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. And with that, I'm pretty sure I, I threw some pretty hot takes out on Twitter. I, I think everybody did. And then for some reason <laughs> people have this like, who actually wants to take the time to screenshot that and then like save it oh. into a file and then go pull it up? Like, I don't have enough time or care enough about your hot takes from five years ago yeah. to do that and waste storage space on my phone. My phone yeah. is precious space, not for your yeah. hot take. Well, That's just stupid. To give them a little credit, a lot of people use like the advanced Twitter search functions that are way over my head and they just go find. I mean, we That's know it. you and I have a lot of hot takes and people love to throw it back in our face and you know, whatever. We're going to talk about some hot takes today. Actually, not right now, but we're going to ask uh, each other what our hot takes are coming into week four uh, of BYU football where, gosh, I mean, it's kind of a crazy place to be in right now, Aaron. When you think about BYU being 3-0, and you know, in firm control of the Pac-12 South and uh, number 15 in the country. Um, so let me ask you, let's start out there with the ranking. I mean, I know a lot of people have been talking about it. Beggars can't be choosers, but I mean, 15 in the country, wh- where do you think? Too high, too low, just about right? I I mean, honestly, it's probably about right because you, you have a program or a team in BYU that started unranked and then beat a bad Arizona team, not handily, right? They were kind of always in control of the game. They were ob- they obviously never trailed, but they didn't, you know, they only won 24 to 16. You beat a ranked Utah team, you beat a ranked ASU, um, and you got a little bit of help you know, from, you know, like UCLA losing and, and these kinds of things. So I feel like it's about right. But I think what makes it exciting is when you look at the rest of the schedule, independent of everything else, strictly, if BYU takes care of BYU, they're a top 10 football team, right? And I and yeah. now this latter part is kind of like pending on what a lot of people do. But I think this schedule is set up to where if BYU loses a game, maybe – maybe two, they maintain the top 20 ranking. A lot of it depends on who, when, and how. Yeah. Right. I think the two acceptable losses on the rest of the schedule 
are at USC and at Baylor, right? I think those are kind of the two games yeah, maybe. On, from a predictive standpoint, I think are the two ones they have the lowest ability or probability to win. But I think, again, if you go to USC 11 and 0 and lose 50 to 0, yeah, you know, you're probably going to be like, it matters. Yeah. But if you go to USC 10 and 1, and then you lose 24-21 and you're 10 and 2. I think hey that's still a top 20 team. Again, yeah. how you lose makes a huge difference and I just don't see this BYU team and we'll get into the hot takes a little bit and this is kind of alluding to it a little bit. I just don't see this BYU team getting blown out by anybody if they lose. The the the, the defense has shown to to, to be uh, up to a lot of tasks. Here's my thing with the ranking though. Um, it's not so much that I have a problem with being ranked, uh, you know, 15 per se. 15 feels about right for going 3-0 against a schedule that maybe isn't quite as great as it felt at the beginning of the season, especially with Utah's complete and utter implosion, which maybe we'll talk about if we get time. But it's not that 15 feels too high given everything, it's more who's ahead of them that kind of rubs me the wrong way, right? Because when you talk about Clemson, who has done anything but impressed so far, um, you know, obviously they lose to Georgia, who's an amazing team, but I mean, 10 to three and then beating Georgia Tech 14 to eight, I kind of scratch my head and say, okay, there's a two and one team that I'm not sure should be ahead of BYU. And then, of course, we're back to BYU's old foe. This might be BYU's new rival in the Big 12 in a couple of years. And this is Iowa State. Like, BYU can't jump over Iowa State to save their lives. I know. What Iowa State does, they stay ahead of BYU, right? Granted, Iowa's a great team. Losing to them in a – wasn't it a close game? If I don't really remember the score. Let me pull it up. Yeah, okay, 27-17. I get it, but, I mean, Iowa State has beaten UNI and UNLV. You know, and so I kind of go, how does Iowa State say about, you know, there are three or four two and one teams above them. Ohio State hasn't looked great. Now I get it. Kind of like the, the, the smell test. You sit down and go, really, is BYU better than Clemson or Ohio State or, 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 or of course, Florida, who took um, uh, Alabama to wire? And that's just my problem is at this point in the season. I would rather reward teams for their actual accomplishments rather than kind of projecting where you think they're going to be at the end of the season. And I think that's what's going on right now. You know, do I think BYU should be number one in the nation? No. Do I think 15 is probably fair? Yeah. But do I have a problem with a couple of teams who have not shown very well being ahead of them? Yeah. Yeah. I got a problem with that because look, everyone's always telling BYU, well, you got to play P5 teams, and then you'll get some respect. Well, three P5 teams, two of them ranked at the time. You know what I mean? And it, it still doesn't get them past Iowa State. You know what I mean? Well, and, and you and I have griped about this for a while, and that's it's, it's justifying your preseason rankings, right? Mm-hmm. And so you take an Iowa State, a Clemson, Ohio State. Um, you know, it's how they finished last year. Yep. So you ranked them wherever they were, 10, 3, 2, whatever. And then it takes until about mid-year for, I think, voters to kind of like wash that out and say, okay, Clemson's not Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson Clemson, right? I mean, they've scored a high of what, like 14 points through three games or something like that? Let me stop you real quick because I I understand where you're going. But listen, Clemson, think about Clemson, right? They lost their Heisman caliber number one overall pick quarterback last year, right? 
and probably a handful of others. I don't know. I don't care enough about Clemson to really follow how many people got drafted. They probably lost a handful of others as well. And then they come back ranked, obviously, automatically in the top five. BYU finishes the year in the top 12. I think they were number 11 at the end of the last season. They, too, lose their first-round draft pick quarterback to the NFL, along with a bunch of other guys. And they start the year unranked, completely unranked. And then even after showing what they can do against three, you know, two quality opponents, they're still ranked well below Clemson, right? So it's just like, that's a great comparison there when you talk about Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson both leaving and one team getting completely annihilated in the polls and the other team just kind of coasting on their brand. And I have a problem with that, right? So, I mean, like, I, I hate griping about being ranked number 15 three weeks into the season. But this is this is not about BYU. Exactly. It's, it's about the system, and I get it. But, I mean, in the end, like, and, and you are gonna you were getting to this in Iowa, too. BYU is not better than Ohio State. Probably not. Probably yeah. not, right? They're definitely not better than Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma. Even Florida. I can, I can live with Florida with a loss, yeah. like, three points to Alabama. I can live with that. But an Iowa State... Um, even Clemson. Notre Dame hasn't looked great, right? They'd go to overtime to beat an 0-3 Oh, Florida definitely State Notre team. Dame. I forgot about Notre Dame. Notre Dame, <laughs> yeah. Iowa State, and Clemson should all be below BYU. They yeah. all have chances coming up in the future to prove that they're better than BYU. Right, right. And then I'm fine, right? If in a couple weeks, Notre Dame blows USC out of the water or whatever. I don't know their schedule. They, they play those teams all the time. They're fine. Leapfrog them over BYU, who's beaten two ranked teams. So here, but take take solace in this, that Clemson did drop three spots even after winning. And BYU jumped like nine. They were the I think biggest they jumped mover. eight. I get it. it BYU's the biggest mover in eight. So I think the voters are seeing that. They're just yeah. not going to say, okay, a two and one Clemson team, we're going to drop you down to 25. But that's just it. Maybe so they should be there. But the point is, uh, because I remember after last week, I said Clemson needs to move down. Like, yeah. yes, they won, but they scored 14 points. Gave up a, and took a took a goal line stand to like get out of it, and then yeah. they fumbled, you know, and then they took a safety. Like it just, yeah, they don't look Clemson's not impressive good. at all. So like, so the, the ranking for BYU is justified. And again, if BYU takes care of BYU, the Iowa States, the Clemson's continuing to look bad, you know, and and Ole Miss is they always lose a game they're not supposed to, you know, like if BYU takes care of themselves, especially these next two to three weeks. There's no reason going into Baylor if BYU takes care of BYU and wins these next three games that BYU is not top 10 team. Yeah, probably mostly because of help. It's not going to be because BYU beat Utah State, which, by the way, is going to be a very underrated matchup, a Utah, an undefeated Utah State. But it's not like BYU beating Utah State or South Florida is going to suddenly impress the voters. The only thing that gets BYU to jump other teams is other teams losing. Right. So anyways, that, that, that's my gripe. Right. I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of happy at 15. I think it's more fair for them to be above Notre Dame, Iowa State and Clemson. That's it. That's it. You know, I, OK, well. so I mean, here's here's your help that could help BYU a ton. Right. Notre Dame plays Cincinnati. Yep. That's going to be huge. I mean, weeks. one of those is going to lose. And I think one of those BYU is going to lose. And if BYU wins, mm -hmm. then BYU jumps Probably. one of them. One Probably, yeah, and all unless it's a you know 17 16 game or something, but yeah, anyway. if Clemson wins by one point in overtime, BYU might not jump either of those teams. Here's another thing that could help Iowa State plays at Baylor this week. If Baylor beats Iowa State, 
Then Baylor, Baylor jumps BYU. Baylor, <laughs> That's what will happen. No, because Baylor's already, already two and one with a loss to Iowa, but it does help BYU strength of schedule. Iowa State then likely drops, so there no, no, no. is potential help immediately for BYU to move up. Well, Iowa, you, you said Baylor. You mean Iowa State is two and one with a loss to Iowa. Baylor Sorry, yes, is, that a is correct. Strange enigma here with three blowout wins to Texas State, Texas Southern, and Kansas. Unranked three and zero. You have no idea what you got with Baylor, but your point stands. Baylor versus Iowa State, that's an opportunity. I still think there's a chance that if Baylor wins, especially handily, they could jump BYU. They really could. I, I, I just don't I don't see that happening. I and mean, when you look at the rankings, I don't even see Baylor in the getting votes. Maybe, maybe, but last year, do you remember last year when like three or four weeks in, BYU was ranked and and teams that hadn't even played yet, once they announced like the Big Ten and the Pac-10, once they announced that they were gonna play. Voters started voting them ahead of BYU. Oh yes, no, I, I right. That's what that. we're I dealing do. with. That's what yeah. we're dealing with as BYU it's just fans. Garbage. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, I can see Baylor coming in, beating Iowa State forty-five. It's, it's not happening when your 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 win through three games. Your best win is Kansas. I'm talking about Baylor. If Baylor beats I, I, Iowa that's State, that's who I'm talking about. I'm saying if Baylor beats Iowa State and is four and zero, sure you beat Iowa, be Iowa State. State. But yeah. after that, you beat Texas State. Kansas, Texas Southern, yeah, and Kansas. That's worse than BYU's schedule last year. And BYU had Texas State on that. They had Texas State on it. Okay, no, that's how bad that early season schedule is. It is. They're not jumping BYU. Maybe not. Maybe not. Anyways, you're right. BYU needs to take care of business. Get a little bit of help, which some of it is inevitable because there are several matchups above BYU that can help BYU. Notre Dame game. Yes, Cincinnati Notre Dame is huge. So. Take care of business. Going on, we're not even going to preview USF. Like they're dumpster fire, terrible. I know BYU lost to them a couple of years ago, and I know Jaron Hall was the starting quarterback in that game. Who, by the way, not his fault. It was after he went down with an injury Correct. that they gave up like ten thousand rushing yards. Um, but let's let's we're not going to preview um, uh, 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 USF. I want to talk a little bit about though the Arizona State game because. Our last week we talked we said that at the Arizona State game is going to be the game that's going to um kind of give us an idea of whether we can start getting excited about a special season right a 12 and 0 or even you know, 11 and 1 type season another top 15 top 10 finish you know possibly new year's six bowl and like blue goggles national cha- you know uh playoff bid right <laughs> and i sit here after the Arizona State game tell me if you agree and i still just don't know what we have with this BYU team I yeah, still don't I, know that that's yeah, I agree. But here's here's where I think I do. We did get confirmation, if you will. I think after three games, when you do the same thing in three games, that's that's confirmation. Right. One time is lucky. Two times. OK. Three times. OK. We see a pattern and you're good at it. And that is that when BYU needs a drive to seal the that's game. True. Yeah, they are three for three on doing that. Yep, crazy. Like it's it's crazy to be able to do that one time. You know, to, to do a four or five minute drive and, and get any form of points. You know, to see like against Utah to seal the win. Right. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to do that against Arizona, but to do it three times in a row at the end of the game and do everything that you needed to do every single time is impressive. And I don't care who you're playing. I don't care if you're playing Portland State. I don't care if you're playing Texas Southern. I don't care if you're playing Alabama. If you can eat up a ton of clock mm-hmm. and score points to seal the game in the fourth quarter 
and we're ta- we're not talking two to three minute drive. We're talking four to six four, five, minute six drives, drives yeah. that you're just pounding it three yards, five yards, twelve yards, three yards, nine. You know, just like methodical drives. That tells me a lot about this team's makeup, in particular the offensive line's ability yeah. to say, okay, we're all six foot six, ten million four and, and four hundred yeah, yeah. million pounds, right? Like mm-hmm. we're just going to say we're going to assert our dominance, well, and we have the stamina to do that in the fourth yeah. quarter, as opposed to they've had notoriously really slow starts, yeah. but they have really strong finishes, and that to me, it's not about how you start; it's how you finish. And BYU is finishing better than I can remember in recent memory of doing it consistently is impressive. I agree. I agree. And can we just talk about how weird it is that all three of these games looked almost exactly the same in kind of their super weird, their general flow, right? Like BYU kind of takes control and then some weird stuff happens and the opponent who Arizona, Utah and Arizona state all brings it within uh, bring it within a one score game in the fourth quarter. And then be like, you said, BYU has to come down and, and eat clock and, and get a drive and get a lot of yards and, and score to kind of seal it at the end. Like it's, it's really weird how that's happened in every single game. You're right. Um, it, it, it showed, I think a lot of resilience. It showed a lot of mental fortitude. It showed really, really good conditioning on the part of the, of the offensive line, but it also kind of frustrates me. Cougar stats tweeted out that the stats of the, their BYU scoring by quarter. Oh, yeah. It's like all their scoring is in the second quarter. Like all of it. BYU they literally went, have more points in the second quarter than they do the other three combined, I believe. Yeah, and that's the problem. Like, I, I agree that the offensive line is showing some stamina and some conditioning by, by asserting themselves in the fourth quarter, but why the heck can't they do that earlier in, in the game, right, and, 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 and get the running game going in the first quarter instead of the fourth quarter? And, and it's, it's, a, it's a little bit troubling. Yeah, I, troubling is... I, I guess I understand that verbiage. I, I think to me, it's it's you're playing good teams, right? Utah, I know they're one and two, but but Utah's good, right? Like they have the talent just from a raw talent are perspective. They that, okay, sorry, <laughs> they are right. They 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 struggle offensively, but defensively, they have a good defense that BYU took a while. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, no don't doubt. forget against Utah, BYU I think had had like thirty rushing yards until the fourth quarter or something yeah. like that, and yeah. then B, or maybe it was. Second, well, it wasn't is, very many, but they had a their fourth Utah's fourth quarter. They they were running in chunks. Yeah, yeah, and so like, and then Arizona State. Arizona State is a good football team. Like, I think that's a team. They're that's very probably good. Gonna, I think they're probably going to win the South. It probably comes down to them and USC and how. I agree. Who, so, but so I think in general, I think it's not so much disturbing that they can't do it. I think it's that they don't try to do it. It seems like in all three games, they haven't sat there and said, first play, we're going to pound it down, we're going to pound it down. It's It seems like pass, pass, run, and then you're at fourth no. and five. It's like, why not run, run, run? I think they've, I think they've I been pretty balanced. Um, they just struggle to move the ball. To their credit, they stick to it, and they've been running even when it hasn't been working, and I think that's a big reason why it ends up working in the end. Because you make you make the defensive line especially work a lot harder to stop the run all four quarters, and then in the fourth quarter you're in a better you're in a better spot. But here's my thing with the Arizona State game, especially the way BYU is winning doesn't feel, and I know you hate this word, it doesn't feel sustainable. It feels uh, fragile, right? See, that's where it, I disagree. Well, okay, fair. Just let, I'll, I'll shoot it out, and I want to shoot it back to you. But it feels like BYU needed. 
a miracle turnover, right? With the Algiers, we don't even need to go over that. The Algiers, you know, the, we are the, not worthy to discuss. Right. the The strip and and the 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 chase down in the strip was just another level. Um, but it took that miracle in addition to some crazy fan interference with the game when it, and we'll talk about that in a second too but it felt like BYU needed a lot of help to pull off that win it really really did so many things they were plus two in turnover margin four four false starts in the same drive in the fourth quarter on, on the you know the, the the pick strip that I'm calling it saved the game because that would have put ASU on top that just doesn't feel sustainable, right? Getting f- however many four turnovers against Utah, that that's not the way to continue to win games. You have they're 83rd or something like that, 93rd in offensive efficiency in the country. That's that's just not gonna cut it over 12 games. Right. And and I get that. Like the offense is not the offense of last year, right? right. Where you're scoring 45 a game, you're getting three, four, five plays of 40 yards a game. Like it's a totally different offense. But the reason that I think it is sustainable is because you've done it three times. You've and so that's fair. And, and so to the point of it's unfortunate that they've had to do it three times, but guess what? They've had the opportunity three times. And each time yeah, it doesn't feel like a fluke it. anymore. It doesn't feel yeah. like a fluke anymore. Yeah. yeah, Arizona, you're like, oh, when you start to get nervous, and you're like, okay, they respond. Okay, great. Utah, they make their ten point run, and as you, and we alluded to this last week, because like that's when you're like, all right, BYU's done, right? They <laughs> yeah, fold. It felt that's like what it. they've done in the past. Yeah, and they didn't. And then Arizona State, they make the run. Even and I think again, it's the I think the epitome of what I'm saying is the Algier play. Right when BYU's about to fold, they make the play that would fold their mental fortitude, Algiers' effort play, to me, is the definition of how this team's got that makeup of like, no, we're not going to yeah. let that play knock that. us out. I'm going to run down. I'm going to punch that ball out, and we're going to get the ball back. Now, they didn't that. go and score with it, but I think I think that's just a really perfect encapsulation of what they've done so far, and then therefore, and now they know they can do it, and they've done it against good teams. If you were doing this against you know Georgia Southern and Idaho State, then I think we would be this. That would feel like 2017, where in Portland State you only win 20 to six, right? But you're doing this against Pac-12 teams, albeit Arizona sucks. You're doing it against two teams that were ranked at the time. Arizona State's a very good football team. Utah's a very good, notorious defense, right? That to me instills a ton of confidence in yeah. this team. That when we need, you know, it's like when you need a bucket, right? Who are you going to go give it to? It's like, hey, when BYU needs a drive of five minutes and points. They're three for three right now. I I get that. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I think you make a really good argument. Uh, it, it, it worries me that BYU went almost an entire half without scoring, right? They scored with, I think, four or five minutes left in the second quarter and then threw the pick at the end of the second quarter. Um, end of third quarter? Uh, no, end of the second quarter. The pick in the corner at the oh, end of oh, the Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the fade not to the, Yeah, not the big yeah, pick, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the fade to, to Romney. They threw the pick, of the, but the, they scored a four with four or five minutes left in the second quarter and then didn't score until what a minute 20 or something left in the fourth quarter. That is a long time to go without any scores at all. They opened up the second half with, I think, two three and outs and one effective three and out. It was like they threw a 12 yard pass and then went three and out in the, in the first drive of the second quarter. It, it that's why it feels flimsy because. Yeah. I get it. They're capable of in the fourth quarter getting a five or six minute drive to hold off. 
I'm really interested to see if they're how they're going to end up when they do throw that pick six and the other team takes the lead in the fourth quarter. I'm interested to see how they're going to react when, you know, when a 10 point 10 to nothing run turns into a 17 to nothing run by Utah. You know, I'm really interested. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying if here to four, it has taken some pretty spectacular plays, um, whether they be turnovers or, or chase downs or really big drives. So I would just, you know, after last year, you just get used to just kind of pounding everybody. And I know we're not playing Texas state anymore, um, but even against Utah, it felt like you watched the game and the offensive line is dominating. And, you know, the defensive front seven is dominating and, and you're getting interceptions and, you know, you're halfway through the game and you're, and you're up in the turnover margin plus two and you're, up by seven points. So I can't remember the exact. Right, right. It just, it, it, it just, it would be nice to run away with one of those games when you have a huge turnover margin, or run away with one of those games. But instead, these teams keep creeping in. Now, let me say, you're right. I think Arizona State is supremely talented. They shot themselves in the foot like no one else I've ever said I've ever seen in my life. But I let's talk about it. I have never in my life seen anything like those four false starts. And it's not just that they were four on the same drive. It was four on the most pivotal defensive possession of the game. We're talking, what was it, like six minutes left in the fourth quarter in a four-point game, and Arizona State four times. And I think it was four different guys, too. That's the other part that makes it that much more phenomenal is if it was the same offensive lineman or same receiver, then it's individual. Yeah. Then it's like, yeah, but it's like, no, this is obviously a systemic issue that is caused by the rock. It was. And so I had a buddy over here and we were watching it and not just that drive, the whole game where it's like, there's no way there's another flag. <laughs> that like, was crazy. They, that was 16 penalties crazy. that were accepted. There was I know, there at three least or four three or four that decline. BYU turned down. Cause it's like, Hey, it's you know, for whatever reason, Third and 12. Yeah. Right. Like whatever. it was, and that's crazy to me. And like that, we, it is unbelievably to see BYU have that kind of home field advantage. We've, we've been to numerous games there and we've, we've stormed the field and we've been a part of that, but, but to see it have such a direct impact. And I know they talked about it on the broadcast. You really do wonder how much not playing in front of fans last year plays a factor to that yeah and this was first arizona's first road game as well yeah yeah and, and first road game at a, like a big venue right yeah it's not like you're playing relatively new coaching staff et cetera, yeah, et cetera. yeah well I, I mean it's just well i mean herm edwards has been there five years now like i mean has it been five me, years already oh, isn't gosh. that crazy that's insane. but it's still to me it's like it really is interesting to see the impact of covid from life i really do think that's a, a thing i i think so too i i think it's a thing too um and and it's just great to see the fans at b at les step up like that and you know every time there's a false start they just get louder you yeah. know and it, i mean like let's just be honest at least in football in basketball it's a different story but in football les kind of has a reputation of kind of being lackluster like it's big and you know usually the student section is pretty loud but you got a lot of like in any stadium you got a lot of old timers that are just kind of like sitting on yeah. the 50 yard line with their little, you know, radio headsets, listening to Greg Rubel call the game, um, you know, and yelling at the whippersnappers in front to sit down. It's, it was different. Like was. the whiteout was actually white, like yeah. almost Penn State style white. It was, it was 
just something to behold and to see it. I've never, ever in my life seen in a football game a crowd so directly and so enormously impact the re- the outcome of a game. And, and and conversely, how not playing in front of fans last year affects Arizona State playing in that, I think that also impacts how the fans are interacting at the games. Yeah, you're probably right. The, the fans weren't there last year, and now, yeah. especially like students, right? Imagine being yeah. a freshman at BYU last year or oh, anywhere or in the whatever. country, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you weren't able to go to the games. And so your first game is your sophomore year. Yeah. And your first two games at home, are your rival that you've lost to for a decade and is ranked, and then another top 20 team coming in, right? Yeah. Those are two great games to get your juices yeah. flowing as your first games. And I think that so I think it kind of was like a perfect storm for Arizona State and Utah for that matter yeah. of frenzied fans that were excited for football. And then you have a good football team there, and then it you, know, you end the streak, you beat a top 20 team. I think it was just a perfect thing. And then obviously Arizona State just had some communication issues and there's some discipline issues. I'm mean, there's some other dirty plays, but that's neither here nor yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. We don't no. get into that. It's no, well documented I, on twitter.com. Uh, so, okay. So hot takes, um, hot takes for BYU football fans. Aaron, do you have a hot take to share with our loyal listeners? I've got a couple and they're not like steaming, steaming hot. I'll probably come up with more <laughs> when I go to you. <clears throat> I'm going to say this. I think Peyton Wilgar should leave after this year. That's my, <laughs> that's one of my hot takes. He is and okay. I'm not a football aficionado, but I mean, I I've watched a lot of football and we've seen a lot of great linebackers at BYU. He is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like he is so good. When was the last time you saw Peyton Wilgar out of position and miss a tackle and yeah. miss a tackle? Never. I mean, I was watching after further review and every play they pulled up, it was just like, well, here's Peyton Wilgar doing Wilgar mm-hmm. doing this, whether it was him actually like making the play or what he's always in the right spot. He has sound eyes. He has sound technique. I, he is just so, so good. And so the second part of that hot take is I think he is BYU's best football player. Like he's <laughs> that good. And I just, I don't think there's any information or data out there that wouldn't substantiate it. Like he's just so, so good and so fun to watch when you have a defensive player that is just always there and always in the right spot. Even if he doesn't make the tackle, he puts his leverage yeah, in the right gets position. Yeah, leverage right. Yep. Gets mm-hmm. the block right. He forces the bounce out or whatever, right? He's just always making the right play. And I mean, I, I was watching this Arizona State game with again with my buddy who's not kind of the big football gurus like we are. And I was just every every single play, I was like, there's Peyton Wilgar. There's Wilgar. Oh, look, yep. Wilgar's doing this. And yep. it's just like, I, it was crazy to me. So I think that's my hottest take that I think Peyton Wilgar should leave after this year because I think his stock will probably never be higher, and if, especially if he can stay healthy, right? Okay, well, I'll respond to that real quick. So I think Peyton Wilgar needs to beef up a little bit to be an NFL linebacker. Um, he is, I don't know his height, but he just doesn't have, doesn't look like to me to have the muscle mass to compete at the NFL, which is an extremely brutal game, especially, you know, there in the defensive front seven. Um, but with Kyle Van Noy and, and, uh, Fred Warner kind of setting the stage for this new era of BYU linebackers. Um, and, you know, there are other BYU linebackers out there, but those are the two kind of premier um, in the NFL. I think there's a door 
that's open for a guy like him. I think I, I think he would like I, I think he'd like to grow a little bit more, put on a little bit of weight. Um, but he's got the fundamentals. But he's got the fundamentals. I mean, like yeah. he knows where to be and he knows how to engage every single play. And that's the type of thing that you can't coach. And that's yeah. you can't you can't lift weights to get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instincts are in the mind. Yeah, that's I what mean. I mean. I mean, he's six three. He's six three, two thirty five. I think. I mean, yeah. don't forget, let's not forget this though. He's not six. It's not like it's not like. Well, that's what he's officially listed on. <laughs> what you think? Okay, Fred Warner wasn't the most stacked dude in college. And neither was KVN. Neither was KVN. Right. So I, I don't know if I, I think when when you play those positions, I and plus once you get pro, you, you spend different. all your yeah. time working out, right? Yeah, you look at so, Fred Warner his senior yeah. year and look at him now, it's insane. Yeah, it's how much night he and day. Yeah. So I, I just that's probably my hottest take because I just have been and like and this goes all the way back to twenty nineteen when he was a freshman against USC making diving interceptions. Like he's just always been really good. I remember and I th- I think we were watching the game. I remember watching Kyle Van Noy his freshman year when he was number fifty three before he switched to three. And I remember just watching him and being like, he's different. He moves different. Like he just is he understands things at a different level. Yeah. I remember going to the spring game with Jamal Williams and watching him his freshman year when he was seventeen year old skinny dude out there. And I remember Wait, he was seventeen. Yeah, I've never heard. I know that. we've never heard that, right? Um, I remember being at that game and telling you like, he's different. He's going to be good. I feel the same way about Peyton Wilgar. He's just different. He just approaches things different. He executes things differently, and. Like it sucks that BYU could lose another underclassman if he did what I would, what I think he should do. Even though he technically is like a sophomore, but he's a COVID sophomore. You know, just like yeah, Jake, uh, yeah. Jake Oldroyd's a COVID yeah. mission red shirt, black shirt, navy yeah. shirt sophomore. But anyways, that's my first hot take. What's your first hot take? I think my hottest take. I mean, I've most of my hot takes I've already kind of covered. Um, with it comes to like the Big Twelve, and even today, how fragile I feel like BYU's success is right now. But here, my hot my hot take is that unless Jake Oldroyd comes back healthy and can play a full rest of the season, BYU is going to drop at least one head scratcher this year. I think we've already seen BYU's play calling. I think is affected by the fact that they don't have him. You know, I if you listen to Aaron Roderick in court at coordinator's corner, he talked about that last play against Arizona state even on, on why they decided to pass instead of run. Not because they didn't think that Justin Smith could, you know, chip in a 12 yard or whatever, 17 yard field goal, but because, you know, you don't got your, your number one man in there, a guy who's probably going to play in the NFL. If he stays healthy, it changes the way you think um, and changes the way you call the game. Now, that being said, BYU's offense is way better on the opponent's side of the 50 than on their own side of the 50. They, they seem to turn it on. They, have, they are 100%. They've scored 100% of their times in the red zone with only two field goals. Part of that is, I think, again, aggressive play calling in the red zone because they don't want, they don't want to go for, for, for three because it's just not a sure thing. I mean, Justin Smith missed a, 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 an extra point earlier this year, right? Well, let's so, offer. He didn't miss it. It was a fumbled snap that they didn't even get off. Oh yeah, no, that's right. That that's the one that was fumbled snap. All right, my, my apologies, Justin Smith. Um, but the point is, I think unless they have Oldroyd in there, um, they're gonna slip up because I think it. They they're edging 
on the border of too aggressive right now. Even Aaron Rodgers said that they got a little too aggressive at the end of the second quarter in Arizona State by throwing that fade instead of setting up a field goal or something like that. And and so I, I think that type of thing could end up biting you in the butt, right? Throw, I, I actually love the play call. I thought the ball was underthrown, and I thought Romney didn't fight for it enough. Um, but again, that type of thing, if you got Jake Oldroyd in there, you got an extra three points there at the end of the game because they're not going to throw a fade. They're going to set it up in the middle of the field and and then kick a 35-yarder. You know what I mean? So my so, hot take is they're going to drop something they shouldn't drop this year, and it's going to be because they don't have their kicker and that, because that affects the whole game. So let me ask you this. When you say head-scratcher, do you mean like a, a, an opponent they should win or yeah. a game they should win? So like they should beat USF, just theoretically, but the 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 lack right. of old droid means they they drop a game that they're favored in. Is that kind of what right? You're alluding yeah, to? yeah. They're a USF, a Utah State, a Boise State. They're not going to lose like Georgia Southern or Idaho State. I'm not worried about those. But the most the, the games I'm mostly worried about are USF, Utah State. Um, let's see who they, uh, Baylor. I don't know if they're even they're they're even they're probably not even favored in that. You know, one of USF, Utah State, Washington State, Virginia. Uh, Boise State, one so of those games. Basically, the next five games. What you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's there goes my my dog. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, 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 that makes sense. I get it. Like his his injury is um, perplexing and, and worrisome. Yeah. But I think I mean like USF. I just don't. If they lose that game, then there's way bigger issues than Jake Holtroyd, right? Yeah, I agree. The Utah State Boise State games, though, considering Utah State looks. You know, decent. Uh, Boise State's always uh, a good game, except for last year. And um, so I get that. I think that's a. I totally understand that. Okay, give me your second hot take if you have a second hot take. Uh, I don't think I have a second hot take. My other hot takes have already been. Uh, you know, I've aired my grievances um, thoroughly. Um, my other two hot takes were just you know that I think the Big Twelve is not as big of a promotion as people think. And um, that this BY, the current way of BYU winning is just too fragile for my liking. They need to take control of games to, to okay, continue here's, to win like this. I have a second hot take for you then. I don't think Jaron Hall will break 300 yards once this year. Passing. I don't find that to be a hot take at all. That's just not, it's not going on right now, but go on. I want to hear. Yeah. I think when I'm watching him one, I think he's a little late on a lot of his balls. Mm -hmm. I think he he's waiting for the guy to be open rather than throwing him mm -hmm. open. I think Arizona state, he got a little bit better there. Um, I think he's not as accurate again. We got so spoiled with Zach Wilson last year. Big time. So, Big time. so, so spoiled. So when I see a stat line of, you know, 19 for 33, which is borderline 55, 60%, which for a college quarterback is pretty good. But we're like, oh, but last year, Zach Wilson would have been 27 for 33, you know? So, yeah, and exactly. so I think his, his, that, I think BYU's not throwing it a ton. We're not having these 45, 55 point games where you're, you know, and you have a ton of these plays. Um, I think the Nakua's have been somewhat underwhelming in A, their usage and B, their production because of the usage. And obviously part of that's because of there's some injury there and then bringing them in. So I think the hot take is really centered around the BYU passing game is not going to be really electric. And I think what it kind of in tandem then leads to is I think there's going to be games where BYU needs to pass the ball yeah. and rely on his arm. Yeah. That it might be a struggle. 
I still think they have a very, very, very good shot to go be six and zero heading to Baylor. Yeah, like I think they just should win these games just from being better. Um, but then there's games where like a, a team like a Baylor um, that's going to want to put up a lot of points. Yeah, but I, I trust BYU's defense to maybe hold them below season averages, right? Who knows yeah. what Baylor's averaging coming in? You know, maybe yeah, they're averaging, averaging like forty six right now or something. Yeah, but again, they're playing you know Massage <laughs> sure. Tech University sure. and M. Um, so I just think there's going to be games where Jaron's going to probably need to air it out 45 times. And I think BYU might struggle a little bit. I still like well, their chances because I think they have the talent around him, but I think he just won't break 300 yards this year. Well, and again, we're back to BYU has not trailed yet. And BYU hasn't been in that position where they've had to throw yet. That's right? my third hot take. I don't think BYU trails until Baylor. Oh, I think BYU is going to be, that's a hot take. And I think, I think you look at the next three games. I just don't think USF's going to, unless USF takes the opening kickoff back to the house or something. I just think Utah State's going to be too jacked up and then I think come down to earth. At I Utah just, that's my hot take right there. I think no, you no, does listen, not trail I mean, until I am, Baylor. I'm terrified of the game at Utah State. Absolutely petrified of the game at Utah State. Utah State has a lot of confidence right now. They saw BYU take out Utah. They want to take out the top dog in the state. They have a win against a P5 school. Uh, it, it, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I really get nervous about at, uh, about the game up in, in Logan. And I can see, you know, Utah State coming out just hair on fire in that game. And yeah, Jaron Hall's going to have to learn to throw the game, throw the ball 40 times, 45 times in a game. Uh, I think he can do it. I think he's an underrated passer. I think a lot of people just assume he's only legs. I think he's an underrated passer, but it makes me nervous. So that's a really hot take. I don't see BYU continuing to never trail, but I'd like to see them get some of that experience. There, there, it's I don't. <laughs> like, no, I'm good with it. Like, fair. Just keep, just, no, that's fair. Just keep, keep taking the leads and keeping it. That's fair. I just, I, again, I mean, it's a little too easy to control a game when you're ahead the whole game. You can run 40 times a game, you know, when you're ahead. It, 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 what does BYU do in the fourth quarter if Arizona scores on that pick six? Do they just continue to pound it off tackle every, every time? Or do they... Say, oh no, we got a score. There's only eight minutes left, or whatever it was. So, yeah, no, that's that's a hot take. That's that's a real hot take. But I I see where you're coming. I see where you're coming. That I, I got Boise State and, and Utah State s- circled though. Those are I, I, oh for sure. I mean, the rivalry games, yeah. and understandably so. But I I look at Utah State. Okay, you're three and zero. You beat Washington State twenty six to twenty three. Hey, but Washington beat- State was up fourteen to nothing against Utah State, Aaron. I yeah, I rest my case. <laughs> North Dakota. 48-24, and then you give up 45 points to Air Force. Now, you do score 49. Triple option, but nothing, Triple no, option. Nothing about what I'm looking at when I look at their stats. I mean, sure, you you know, 3-0, and and you won input, and you're 2-0 on the road. So, like, mm-hmm. okay, these are impressive, but I'm like, I don't know. I guess that doesn't, like, scare me. And I think part of that is my confidence in this defense. This defense is playing a defense I haven't seen BYU play probably in my, like, adult life of having – Corners that can cover one on one, safeties that can that can sheet up and come back, linebackers 
excuse me, linebackers that are flying all over the place, blitzes. This is just a defense that I trust more than I think I've trusted a BYU defense. Like, for instance, against Arizona State, multiple times it would get to third and nine, third and 12, and I looked at my buddy Mark, and I said, Mark, BYU is going to give this up. Because they always do. <laughs> they always I do. trust BYU on third and two more than I trust BYU yeah. on third and 11 okay. because they would always drop eight. Yeah. Well, guess what? Multiple times BYU didn't give those up because they have a different defense. They have an the ability personnel. there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so my confidence in the defense to hold down even great offenses like Arizona State or a Utah State that's you know scoring a lot of points is is just ten tenfold more than what it usually is. Now yeah. you can say that my lack of confidence in the offense's explosiveness and, and Jaron Hall's ability to really distribute is a little bit offsetting, but I, I think the defense is just gonna continue to give you those opportunities. And then you have a punter that's just out of this world. And I just think the offense is good enough to just beat teams that they're supposed to beat. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie. Like if Arizona State wouldn't have shot themselves in the foot on multiple drives with penalties I don't think we come away from that game feeling like this defense is quite as good as we kind of feel like they are now, right? Holding three Pac-12 teams to under 20 points a game, that feels really good until you kind of dig into some of these stats. I get it. Ben Don't Break puts up a lot of, you know, gives up a lot of uh, yards, but it, it, it doesn't make me feel super comfortable. It's just a matter of time, I think, before an explosive offense doesn't have 16 penalties and doesn't stop multiple of their own drives. But I get, I get what you're saying. I I get what you're saying. Um, I think we got to wrap it up though. Aaron, do you have uh, any, I mean, any more hot takes you've been, you've been spitting hot takes. So is that, is that your last hot take? I I think that's my hottest one. And you know what? I think I deserve something. If we're one, we're six to now going into Baylor and two, if BYU's never trailed, because is that that's got outside of like Alabama, that's got to be like some kind of record to not trail through six games if that happens. Yeah, no, I I, I I'm not sure I've ever seen it. Not not off the top of my head, but um, we're gonna get at Cougar stats on that one. Yeah, we got to at Cougar stats uh, on that. So, all right, well, everyone, thanks for joining us. We are the Sports Bros Podcast on Twitter at Sports Bros. I'm Andy, aka Big Bro. That's Aaron, aka Little Bro. Uh, last words before we go, Aaron. I think BYU is going to break 40 points against USF. All right. Go Cougs.